Oh my goodness, I got to get started. I got so many notes, and um, it's the you know the challenge of a preacher. Anytime you do a sermon series, is the last installment of the series. You try to cram all the information, all the revelation, all the inspiration into one final message because you just want to make sure that everybody gets everything you've received. I give you guys a preacher's secret. We only preach what we need to hear. It's the truth. The Holy Spirit preaches it to us, and then we share it with you. And all this week, God was just wrecking me uh, with a very small passage of Scripture that you're very familiar with in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It is a Sunday school Scripture because this was probably one of your memory verses uh, that you would take home on one Sunday to return the following Sunday and receive a reward for being able to quote it, which was probably an old crusty cinnamon disc out of your uh, Sunday school teacher's purse. You remember those? Yeah, the hard candy. So you guys don't know what those are, the little butterscotch things? How is it that your memo always has an unlimited supply of those strawberry candies? It's just crazy. What is it? I don't know, but they have a plethora. They're always available. It's like the kingdom. It's like a multiplication of food. It's crazy. My memo always has them. Anyways, we got to read a scripture and get going. I'm going to run out of time today, but uh, I really do think today will be good and that we're going to receive more transformation from the Lord. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's say that last part together. God loves a cheerful giver. Isn't that good? Are you guys happy? Notify your face, right? (laughs) Cheerful. Joyful. Uh, So today I'm going to preach to you guys, teach you guys, talk to you guys from the subject of the giver God loves, okay? The giver God loves. So let's pray. Lord, we ask you to be with us today and help us to receive everything that you're pouring out. Just cram into us. I know the statistics say we can only retain so much, but let our spirit record everything the Holy Spirit's pouring out. God, we intend today on becoming bigger people. Lord, we ask that you would shift our mindset, that you would change in us everything that does not bring you glory, that you'd burn it up with the fire of the Holy Spirit, and that you would bring about a beautiful transformation through the power in the name of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the finished work of the cross of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. So let's look at this scripture just for a moment. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. How many of you guys heard this in Sunday school growing up? God loves a cheerful giver. You know, that's the portion of the passage that most people quote, but they don't oftentimes quote it in its entirety. But it's important that as we examine it, we break it down a little bit and see that when the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he says, each one. Everybody say, that's me. See, you can't wiggle away from the responsibility of being generous in the kingdom of God. He doesn't say these anointed ones, these sacred ones, these called out ones, these special ones. This is for those that have given themselves to a lifestyle of the ministry. He says, each one. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Now, I think that right there is even fascinating because what God is teaching us 
is that we all have the ability to decide how we would like to give. We all have the responsibility of making a conscious choice of what spirit we would like to give in. How many of you guys know that you can give uh, and do, a, do the right thing with the wrong spirit? Right? Because that's what, that's what God is teaching us here as, he, as, as, as Paul says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Right? That would be to do the right thing in the wrong spirit. To give reluctantly. What does it mean, reluctantly? Well, I, I did a little Google search. Dictionary.com says reluctantly is unenthusiastically. So think about that. When you give, God says, don't give unenthusiastically. That's not the kind of giver that my heart takes pleasure in. I like a cheerful giver. Don't give unenthusiastically. I want you to give cheerfully. Give joyfully. Give happily. Give with a smile on your face. That's what I tell some some people. I said, man, you just got to slam the seed in the bucket. Yeah, get aggressive with the seed. You know, sow that seed today. Just whoop. I think offering time should be the most fun time throughout, throughout the service. Honestly, one time my dad went away for a preaching trip, and I was preaching the Sunday he was gone. And I said, guys, listen, whenever my dad gets back and he receives the offering next week, let's, let's pull this surprise on him. Let's all go nuts. Let's just stand up and start dancing and going crazy and like just set it up and he'll never even know what hit him and he will just be, yeah, he'll, he'll be so thrown off. And I'll never forget, he said, it's time for the offering and the whole church like erupted and people started dancing and going crazy and you should have seen the look on my dad's face. I mean, for, as a, for a pastor and your church gets that excited about sowing in the offering, you just don't even know the delight and the shock. He, he didn't know whether to be happy or have a heart attack. He was like. But this is the kind of giver that God enjoys. You know, it says, it said God loves a cheerful giver, right? Now, God loves us all. We all know that, right? Everybody say facts. That's the truth. But this word here in the Greek actually means that it means to take pleasure in. So the type of giver that God takes pleasure in is a giver who gives cheerfully. He says, not reluctantly, uh, but, and, then, and then he also says, not under compulsion. What does compulsion mean? Same, same, uh, same Google, same Google search, right? Under compulsion. It means, it means uh, I'm obliged. I'm just given because I have to. I'm not giving because I want to. I'm not giving because I'm happy about it. I'm giving because I know that I'm supposed to give 10%. I'm both angry and I'm giving because I'm holy. Bless God. I'm a real Christian. <laughs> right? You guys know what I'm talking about? God said, I don't take delight in that kind of giver. I love you. Thank you for doing the right thing. Thank you for being obedient. But hey, the kind of giver that I enjoy is a cheerful giver. I like an enthusiastic giver. I like an excited giver. I like a joyful giver. Now, this word cheerful, oh, it's a very interesting word in the Greek. The word in the Greek there is called hilaros. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Because that's where our English word hilarious comes from. So when God says that he enjoys or he takes delight in a cheerful giver, what he's saying is, I take delight in you giving hilariously. 
Anybody ever laughed while you sowed a seed in the offering? I mean, I've never had that experience, but I'm telling you, after this message next week, I'm going to give hilariously. I, I, I was able to unearth a very scriptural reference, a very biblical illustration for you guys of what it would look like if we all chose to give joyously. You know what's interesting also about this Greek word, hilaros, and biblically when you look at it, it's the only time the Greek word actually is used in the New Testament. But when you examine it and you look at it through the lens of biblical understanding, it means to give joyfully because you're secure. It means to give cheerfully because you're safe. Because you understand that, man, I know that my boss is paying me, but my resources are coming from another kingdom. It's not my job that's my lifeline, but it's God, the King of Kings, that takes care of my needs, my desires, my wants. He supplies my every need. I know that it's coming from God, and because I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm rooted, and I'm planted in His kingdom as His son or His daughter, I can give in such a way that I don't have to be like, well, I guess I'll give. I guess you give it, yeah. Guess I got to do it. But I can give cheerfully knowing that, man, my, it's not my job supplying me. It's God supplying me. So I'm giving in delight. I'm giving cheerfully. I'm giving hilariously. Right? I love this because this reminds me of a parable. It, it, it's the parable that Jesus taught us when he was talking about a certain man who sold everything to buy a field, right? And I was thinking about that parable this week because I was thinking about the security of the man. I was thinking about the safety. I was thinking about the rootedness of the man, understanding that everything that he gave, that it would not matter at all how much he gave because what he was going to receive in return was going to be so much greater than everything he let go of. I don't know if you guys noticed somebody won $1.5 billion this week. 1.6. I, I hope that they have this. I uh, hope they heard the podcast. The, the, the test of 10. It'd be awesome for that money to go into the kingdom of God. I mean, it's, I mean, they have enough, right? I mean, even if they only took half, there's still uh, quite enough to go around, feed some people, transform a city, you know, just things like that. And, uh, and I, was, I was seeing that this week, and I was watching everybody on Instagram. You know, they had their Powerball tickets, and, you know, they're waving around. This one's it. You know, this one, everybody was happy and excited and, you know, buying these lottery tickets enthusiastically. Now, obviously, somebody has to win. I was praying it'd be one of you guys. Honestly, I was praying. I was like, after this month's sermon series, we need one of our people to win this, okay? In the name of Jesus, I was praying like that, y'all, over your Instagrams as I saw you buying lotto tickets. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, let that be the one. Speak to him. Somebody had to win, right? But by and large, this is entertainment, right? I mean, for us as Americans, we're, you know, entertained. So, but I was thinking, I had this thought. I said, you know, I wonder how many lottery tickets would you buy if you knew you couldn't lose? Like, if I told you, hey, if you sell everything you own and buy lottery tickets with it, it's a guarantee that you'll win. Would you sell everything that you own? Four people would, it sounds like. Maybe this time. Uh, would you sell your house and use all the money to buy lottery tickets if you knew that there was no way that you could lose that $1.6 billion? There's only four people that feel safe on this side as well to answer this question. If I told you that without a shadow of a doubt... 
if you vacated your life savings, you sold off all of your investments, you sold your house, you gave away your cars, you sold everything in exchange, you would absolutely, positively, 100%, no risk involved, win the lottery, would you do it? Yeah, me too. I mean, I would definitely do that as well, right? Because why? Why? Because there's a guarantee attached. I, I'm, I'm about to get rid of everything. I'm about to give everything, but I'm going to do so cheerfully. I'm going to do so enthusiastically. I'm going to do so hilariously. Why? Because I know that even though I'm giving something today that has meant a lot to me so far, and it's a big deal right now, What's coming on the other side of this sacrifice is going to be something so life-changing, so big, so enormous, so much better than what I have right here that I am delighted to give away what I've got for what is to come. So, so, see, that's a, that's a parable, but it's very, very similar to what was happening when Jesus said, let me tell you a story about a man who gave away everything so that he could buy a field that had a pearl in it of great price that would change everything. Now, the reason why we don't go out and spend our life savings on lottery tickets is the same reason that we struggle to give in the offering. It's because we're unsure of the return. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, really, what's the ROI of giving in the offering? You know, how can I be guaranteed that I'm going to get my money back? I mean, sometimes we think about the offering like a CD or an IRA, or we think about it like it's, you know, the stock market. Well, God, you know, if I, you start making deals and manipulating, now, Lord, you know what I've got. You know what I have in the bank, you know, right? Yeah, he, he does. He knows. I mean, he knows what's in there, right? Come on, God, you know, I don't know. You're probably going to withhold from me. I know that Maggie was up here sharing that testimony, but I'm not going to be the one this year that's going to receive $60,000, $70,000. Do you know that just after the first service right here in this uh, spot, this very spot, I, I was talking to a guy who walked up to me, and he was like, yeah, just matter-of-factly, he was like, got $40,000 this week. And I was like, what the heck? I wanted to hit him. I was like, dude... <laughs> He was like so matter-of-fact about it. He's like, yeah, I heard the messages, started giving, got $40,000 for a house. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay. Uh, enthusiastic, you know. I was like, what? But here's the thing. If you, give, if you give into the kingdom of God, there is a biblical certainty that you will receive from the kingdom of God. These are red-letter words. These are things that Jesus taught about, and I want to prove that to you by turning to Luke chapter 6 because Jesus spoke about the principle of being generous, which is our fourth core value. It's what we're talking about today. Jesus spoke quite a bit about the principle of being generous. He also spoke quite a bit about the promise of what we will receive in return if we will be obedient and practice cheerful generosity. He's very clear about it. He says here in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, he says, Give, everybody say give, and it will be given to you. Did did you guys see any gray area in that? Did, Did the Lord say, and maybe if you're on your best behavior, if you impress me with your piety, then I will give back to you some and make sure that your bills are paid. 
I see, Jesus gives a very explicit promise when he says, give and it will be given to you. But how will it be given to me, Lord? Well, he explains that. He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. What in the world does that mean? For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, that is, that's pretty interesting. Would you guys agree? Jesus promises us that if we give, it will be given unto us. How will it be given to us is the question. Now, I grew up in Kentucky, West Kentucky to be exact. My county was 90% farmland. We only had one stoplight. Everybody in my high school was in the FFA. Some of you guys don't even know what that is. It's, it's the future farmers of America, okay? And so I grew up around agriculture. I tried to work in it a little bit, you know, for a paycheck in the summer. But, man, that work was so hard, and I really enjoyed PlayStation. So I didn't. They were like five bucks an hour. I'm like, I'm worth more than that, man. I'd rather be playing PlayStation, man. Now, I grew up around farmers, you know, and so this, these terms here, Jesus is teaching in an agrarian society, and he is giving us some agricultural terms to illustrate how God will give back to you if you will give to him. First thing he says is it's going to be given to you in good measure. How many of you guys are thankful that when God chooses to bless you, he doesn't use a tablespoon? But he says, I'm going to use good measure. I'm going to take a good measure, and I'm going to pour it out on you, right? But then he goes on. He said, not just a good measure. I'm talking about a measure that has been pressed down. Now, if you could imagine somebody with a big bin or a bowl or a big basket, and they were, they were out, and they were pulling wheat from the, from the field, and they were putting it down in this basket. At some point, that basket would get full, right? It'd be a good measure. And so in order to hold more, which is how God wants to bless you, it is pressed down. You guys get the illustration. He presses it all the way down until he can't press anymore, and then he puts more in the basket. Okay, no, no, one, else, no one else that excited about it. But that's just, this is how God blesses you. Then he pushes it down, right? And then he puts more in there, and he pushes it down. You guys ever, you guys ever try to save room in your trash can? You know, you're fighting with your wife over who's going to take it out to the curb, and she's like, I'm just going to push that down a little bit. Hey, you put the last thing in there. I mean, you got to have to take it out. You know, you know what I'm saying? Pushed, pressed down, right? And then the Bible says it doesn't just stop with a pressing down. Then he shakes it together. He's, he's packed everything in. And then he's getting all the air bubbles out. Ain't going to be no room left. When God chooses to bless you, he didn't hold anything. I'm going to get all the air bubbles out. I'm going to push it down. Get all the air bubbles. Okay, I'm going to push it down some more. Okay, it's about as full as it's going to get. This is so heavy. Now go ahead and try to pick it up. Try to pick the blessing up. Oh, you're picking the blessing up? Well, now it's falling into your lap. We need, we need, a, we need a, a, B, a Hammond B3 organ for this sermon today. I need some gospel keys in the background for this message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slay my own spirit. That's how excited I am to preach to you guys about this message today. I just don't, you just don't seem as excited about it. But it's just like when God chooses to bless you, it's a blessing that is pouring out into your lap. What kind of return on investment could that be? I mean, this is kingdom economics. I know some people don't like, they don't like this. They're offended by it. But this is just the way that Jesus chose to set up the system of his kingdom. In the same measure that you use, that same measure will be used when it's given back to you. That's what Jesus said. And so we want to be mindful in how we're practicing our generosity because how we give is going to result in how we get. 
Now, if you know you're called to abundance and you feel like you're anointed for finance and you give nothing and you're already making great money, let me tell you something. When you get a revelation about how God's kingdom operates and generosity and the biggest portion you use, I can tell you you're going to make more money than you ever thought possible. And I know you might be a little, you might be a little offended by that. I'm sorry. I repent to you right now if I've offended you. But God wants his people blessed. God wants his people blessed. But here's the thing. God's not just talking about money. If you'll zoom out on this passage of Scripture and continue to look at Luke 36, he's not just talking about money. He's also talking about mercy. He says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. This is a popular offering message, but it's not just about money. What what Jesus is saying is anything you give, anything you sow, you're going to reap. And you're not just going to reap it one for one. You're going to reap it in abundance. If I sow an apple seed, it's not just one apple that comes back to me. It's apples, plural. That's the nature of the kingdom. You put a seed in the ground, and it comes back in abundance. Now, if you you need money, you sow money. That's a simple equation, right? If you need forgiveness, you sow forgiveness. If you need mercy, you sow mercy. Some people can't figure out why they got so many haters. It's because you're sowing hate. You're sowing shade. You're sowing jealousy. You're sowing envy. You're you're sowing greed. You can't figure out why everybody tries to take advantage of you because you're manipulating everybody. Jesus said, whatever you use as a measure, that same measure is going to be used and it's going to come back on you in abundance. If if you're learning anything, just say amen. Amen. This is good to know, right? This is good to understand because this is the way that God set up his kingdom. This is the way that the kingdom operates. If you give, you're going to get. That's biblically true. But let's zoom out a little bit more because I want to make sure that you understand what it is that Jesus is really trying to teach us. Because just like in 2 Corinthians, Paul saying it's all about the heart, that's the point of Jesus' message. Sure, it's biblically true that if you give, you're going to get. But that's not the point. We can't miss the point here. Jesus is not trying to inspire you to a lifestyle of getting. I promise you as a son or a daughter in the kingdom, you're going to get, get, get. But God is not giving, giving, giving to you so that you can hoard, hoard, hoard. It's so that you can feed hungry people. It's so that you can change neighborhoods. It's so that you can shift businesses. It's so that you can start schools. It's so that you can rescue kids. It's so that you can make a difference. And when we have kings that get a revelation, and I know we got some kings in here, that get a revelation uh, of, of the fact that God has no problem with blessing you with wealth. He has no problem with it at all. He's willing to give it to you. He just wants to know if he can get it through you. Just wants to know, can I get it through you? I remember one time I was so angry with the Lord because he was talking to me about giving and generosity and laying down my life and picking up my cross and following him. I mean, who would ask such a thing? Just the kingdom of Jesus. And I was so angry at him. I was yelling at him. I was in Africa, actually. I was yelling at him. It was real loud in there, so nobody could hear me. I said, God, I'm so upset with you. He said, what you do? I said, I want to be, I want to have lots of money. I want to be rich. And, and no lie, because I was, how can I be a missionary I want to be rich. I'm dead serious. You guys think it's a job? I'm dead serious. This is why they want to be a preacher in the first place. 
When the Holy Spirit spoke to me at 14, I said, ain't going to be no preacher. Preachers are broke. <laughs> Swear. No lie. I promise. I want to play in the NBA. I want to be rich and famous. And some, some of y'all laughing like, I, I don't deal with that. That's just you, you know. I don't care anything about being famous. Buy an Insta followers. I don't care. God, this ain't right. I want to be rich. I remember I told the Lord, this ain't right. I want to be rich. And the Lord said, oh, you're going to have plenty of money. You're just going to get most of it away. And that's the thing. You get to choose. You want to hoard or do you want to steward? Because there's a very big difference. And stewarding understands that you have your heart anchored in another kingdom. God has no problem in trusting the resource of this world to people who have their heart anchored in another. Yeah? Okay. So let me read a little bit longer. And Kelly, you come up, but just don't play yet because I don't want everybody to feel like I'm ending. And I'm, I'm just, I'm going to end quick, okay? I promise. I'm going to do my best, all right? Six, Luke 6.30. And everybody's like, I know, just please don't be too tense yet. I'll move as fast as I can. Luke 6, 30 through 35 says, Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love him. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But, but love your enemies. And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. It's true. God wants you to know, hey, look, it's a biblical principle. If you give, you're going to get. It's true, it's true, it's true. But He's not trying to inspire you to get. He's trying to inspire you to live a lifestyle of giving. So much so that you don't even investigate the people who have their hand out anymore. You say, this is not my responsibility to figure out what they're doing with the money. My responsibility is to behave like the Father who doesn't ask for people's resume when they approach the cross. He says, listen, I'm going to give you blessing because I am generous. God can ask us to give cheerfully because every time he gives to us, he gives to us cheerfully. Not regretfully, not under compulsion, not because he has to because you're his kid. He gives to you hilariously. For the joy set before him, he suffered the shame and went to the cross. For the joy set before him. How awesome is that? He who sits in the heavens laughs at every plan of the enemy. At everything the enemy tries to come against them. Why? Because his heart is anchored in a secure reality. That I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Hell has already been defeated. The cross is a finished work. Satan has already been dealt a death blow. I have the ability to give in such a way that I am free from selfishness. I have the ability to be generous in such a way that I am free from codependency of other people. I have the ability to give in such a way that I'm super cheerful because I know, hey, God's got me. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. God's got me. 
And I can be happy about it. And I can dance about it. And I can shout about it. Because I know that God's got me. Now, let me give you guys uh, one more passage of Scripture. And I want to give you four points super quick, okay? Super quick. One more passage of Scripture. Go to Deuteronomy, please. There is something about giving that transforms us. When you get, you might become more selfish. When you get, you may become more arrogant. When you get, you may become more egocentric. When you get, there's a lot of ways in which we can be transformed by our abundance. There is a big test in abundance. A lot of people think the test is poverty. In my opinion, the test is abundance. Right? You develop grit while in poverty. But, man, you develop generosity when in abundance. I mean, there is just something about character. There is something about transformation that comes as a result of developing generosity in your abundance. You know, and and I, I think every time God gives to us, it's just a little small character test. How's my heart today before the Lord? Just got a paycheck. How's my heart in this season before the Lord? Am I am I worried? Am I in fear? Every single time you get an increase, there's always a test. Yeah? That's why Jesus talked about money so much. 16 of his 38 parables, 42% of the time that Jesus opened his mouth to preach, he included money and possessions. If I preached on money 42% of the time, we wouldn't have a church. So here's my guarantee. I'll never preach about money as much as Jesus. <laughs> How Christian do we really want to be? <laughs> yeah? So let's look at Deuteronomy because way back in the Old Testament, God was inspiring his people to give with a certain type of spirit. He was inspiring his people to give generously. Verse 7 through 15, chapter 15 says, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, if any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Isn't that good? It says, take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. This is a mindset that God wants to confront. This mindset is a selfish mindset. Everybody say selfish. Take care lest there be an unworthy, selfish thought in your heart. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near. And your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother. And then you give him nothing. And then, it, and then he cries out to the Lord against you. And you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely. Now, God's talking about our hearts again. He says, and your heart shall not be grudging. Everybody say grieving. This is another mindset or a heart posture that God wants to deal with. When you give to him, because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. How many of you guys want to be blessed in all your work? How many of you guys want to be blessed in all you undertake? I mean, basically what God is saying here is that if your ear will be open to the cry of the poor and you will be generous, I will bless you in everything you touch. Are, are we, we're reading the same Bible, right? Yeah. For you will never cease to, for, you, for there, there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you, he shall serve you six years and in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. 
And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed, but you shall furnish him liberally. Everybody say generously. Out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, out of your wine press. Share with them your resource. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. Now here's the last heart posture that God wants to deal with, which is this. You shall remember. Everybody say grateful. Grateful. This is the heart posture that God wants to develop in us. You shall remember that you were once a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. God makes it very clear. He says, hey, look, I don't want you to be grieved when you give. I want to confront a couple of heart postures, but then I want to develop a couple of heart postures. What is it that God wants to confront? Number one, in verse nine, he makes it clear that he wants to confront the selfish heart. The selfish heart. And this is the temptation uh, for all of humanity, to be honest, because we're all born selfish. You ever spend a few hours with a two-year-old? Their favorite word is mine. Right? You have a play date and a friend comes over. That friend uncovers a toy they haven't touched in a year. All of a sudden, it's their favorite toy. Mine. That's mine. You weren't using it. Doesn't matter. It's mine. You didn't have any plan. It's mine. Right? This is the way that we are all shaping. This is the way that we're all brought up. And... We don't automatically become unselfish just because our bodies get bigger. Just because we grow up doesn't mean that we stop becoming selfish. You don't believe me? Try to take a chicken wing off a man's plate. See, see how that selfishness thing is going for you, right? I mean, it, it, man, honestly, if you go to Hattie B's, you better not touch a piece of my chicken. That chick, I waited in a line for two hours for that chicken. You know what I mean? I, I remember when my wife and I were dating, I'm like, hey, listen, um, you want any fries? Yeah, I'll just eat some of yours. No, listen, do you want fries? Those are my fries, mine. So listen, here, here's the deal. I'm going to order down to the fry the number of fries that I'm hungry for, down to the fry. And so if you want one, if you want one fry, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to need to order you your own fry. I'm going to order you a large fry. I'm going to pay for it. It's, it's not that I'm, I don't want to pay for it. It's just I don't want you taking any of mine. You know what I'm talking about? And that's why I said we pull up to the drive-thru. We'll go to Chick-fil-A. I repent. Sarah, I'm sorry. Um, she's a nutritionist. She's my nutritionist high priestess. I repent to her when I eat things I shouldn't. And... Um, and so we, but we go to Chick-fil-A and here's the thing. I want the food as quick as possible. Don't, don't keep it in the bag because I know you'll be eating some of my fries. You're, you're picking fries. I don't know what box those are coming out of. So I need those in my lap pronto as quick as possible. I just want to make sure you don't happen to hit my bucket of fries. You can get, you can eat all your fries, but don't be picking out of both buckets. Some of you guys, some of you guys are like, this is true. This is true for me. All right, every time I go through the drive-thru, I get a selfishness test. Oh, wow. Sometimes I'm like, I want to go through the drive-thru, but not with the kids in the car, because then they're going to ask me for stuff. They ask me for my food. My food. (laughs) 
It's true. But this is something that God wants to deal with. He wants to deal with our selfish hearts. And I know that we can all say, oh, well, I was born like this. This is just the way that I'm born. This is just the way that I am just selfish. No, you were born again. And even though you were born with, for the first time with a selfish nature, you were born again with a generous nature. Can I tell you that who you really are is a generous person. Who you really are in the spirit is a giver. Who you really are as a son and daughter of God is an unselfish, generous giver. You don't have to own anything because you know you own everything because what your dad owns. I'm just generous. God wants to deal with a selfish, selfish heart. Secondly, God wants to deal with a grieving heart. You know, it's, it's crazy. Before we give, we get hit with our selfishness. But after we give, we get hit with our grief. Because we start having this thing like buyer's remorse. God, that message was so good, I gave. Dang, I wish I wouldn't have gave, man. I, now I can't, I, I tithe. Now I can't do that fun thing that I want to do. Oh, I'm grief. I ain't tithing next month. I ain't doing that. I miss out on too much fun stuff. A grieving heart. God said, I don't want you to be grieved when you give. I want to deal with that. And, 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 and honestly, I mean, there's a way that there's a recipe for how God wants to teach us to deal with these things. You know, 1234, I just remembered something. I, I, I need somebody to give me 100 bucks. I forgot. I'm going to Lexington after this to go to Lexington, Kentucky to preach. Can somebody in here just give me 100 bucks? Anybody? You'll give me 100 bucks? Are you serious? What? Kristen, thank you so much. You are so generous. You have been here every sermon, haven't you? Wow. You are so kind. Now, why in the world would Kristen be so nice to give me 100 bucks? She's generous. Can we all agree? She's an amazing woman of God. Can we all agree? Y'all know the real reason why Kristen gave me 100 bucks so quick? Because I gave it to her before the service. And I said, hey, listen, at some point during the sermon, you're not going to know when, but I'm going to ask for the $100. And I want to make sure that you jump up real quick and give me the $100. You know what she didn't struggle with? Selfishness. You know what she's not struggling with now? Grief. You know why? Because it wasn't her money to begin with. And... When we get a revelation and an understanding that everything belongs to God, we don't have to deal with our selfishness or our grief because we recognize that it was already His anyway. Happy to sow it. I'm happy to give it. I can give cheerfully. I can give delightfully. I can give hilariously because I know this is all God's anyway. If you've ever felt grief and if you're currently grieving over money that you've given away in the past, you can let that go now. Because it was never yours anyway. It was never yours, so you can let the grief go. Real quick, here's the two things that God wants to put in you. Number one, generosity. And number two, gratitude. You know, when you become grateful, it's really easy to become generous. It said, remember, this is what, this is what God tells the Israelites. He says, remember when you were a slave in Egypt? You remember that? Now be generous. It's so easy to be generous when you... Remember where you came from. No matter how bad your week was or no matter how bad your life has been in this previous season, you know when it was worse? The week before you met Jesus. 
no, no matter how bad it is for you, you can always go back to the week before you met Jesus and say, well, it's really not that bad. You know where I was the week before I met Jesus? Addicted to drugs. You know, I was in trouble. I was terrible. I was angry. I was depressed. I was oppressed. I was possessed. And then when I think back and I remember how far God has brought me and what God has delivered me from and how set free I am as a result of his grace, is it, it's so easy to become generous. Man, I am delighted. Wow. Man. <laughs> Here you go. Stoked to give. Hilarious. <laughs> I, like, I like that give hilariously. You know why? Because I get the opportunity to laugh in the face of Satan every time I sow into the offering. I can laugh in the face of the spirit of mammon. I can laugh in the face of the spirit of envy and covetedness and addiction and gluttony and everything that would try to entice me that my culture says that you need more, you need more, you need more, and I can just laugh at it. Ha! Set free by the blood of Jesus. <laughs> so let's stand. Does God bless cheerful givers? Yes. Absolutely. But listen, guys, these promises have not been given to us to entice us, but to free us from fear or grief that when you give, you will end up without. It is a guarantee that if you will choose to give, that it will be returned to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over into your lap. God will give you more. You know why? So that you can give more. He wants you to have the experience, the bliss, the joy, the exhilaration of being able to give more. He wants you to have that experience. You know why? Because he gets that experience all the time. Every, somebody, every time somebody gets set free or somebody gets blessed or somebody gets saved, he has this experience of, wow, I get to give away all this grace. And he wants you to have that experience too. Wow, are you serious? I get to give away this much? So Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name that we would be generous people, God, that this core value of legacies wouldn't fade into the background as we move on into a new season next month into talking about legacy, our fifth core value, but that this core value would stick, that it truly would be planted, that it would be rooted in this house, and this would become our culture, that this would become our behavior, that it would not be a teaching, Lord, but that it would be regular behavior, a regular experience of us sharing with one another. Lord, may it be said of our church that there is no poor among us, that we are helpful to one another, not only with money, but also with wisdom and with resource and with connection and with networking and, and uh, relationships, businesses, uh, business relationships and uh, skill sets and anointings and um, different strengths that we have that we can share with one another uh, to leverage for the blessing of the kingdom of God that we would not compete with one another, Lord, but that we would collaborate yes. with one another. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for making us a generous people. Thank you, God, for helping us to share our time, our talent, and our treasure. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you receive that, would you just say amen? Amen. amen. amen.